0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the RPM Show. This is your host, Tony Rodriguez, brought to you live, and um, let's talk about our sponsors. We have Advanced Auto Parts, which is one of, my, or one of our featured partners, and we also have Cloud9 Exotics in Farmingdale, New York, which is your exotic car solution, rentals, So give them a call. You'll see their address on the website, which is rpmli.live. And again, it's RPM Long Island, which hosts the RPM show. And I have a very special guest today, Rick.
1: Zappia. Zappia,
0: Who owns, I'm looking at these three one-of-a-kind cars. I'm looking at a 65, we're in his garage. So this is a little bit of a different format for me. We're looking at a 65 uh, Mustang GT, I'm looking at a 67 Shelby GT500, which has some some interesting history, and a 2005 50th anniversary T-Bird, correct? Correct. And now I'm going to hand, literally hand this over to Rick to talk about... Um, his his story and his
1: cars and uh, let's do it. Welcome. Thank you very much. Let's talk about the Mustang. Okay, a 1965 Mustang. I was. Uh, it sounds kind of morbid, but I was on my way to a funeral in New York, Pennsylvania, of my uncle back in February of 2019. On the way there, I figured uh, instead of going on a Saturday, the day of the funeral. I was going to go Friday, stop off and visit a friend of mine that lived in Pennsylvania. He lived in Garnet, Pennsylvania. He had a big piece of property. He had a barn and so forth. He's got Ford GT. He's got uh, Mach 1s. He's got Shelby's. Another guy that's Ford orientated, Shelby orientated. So I call him up and I tell him I'm coming to visit with him. I'm not going to stay long, just blah, blah, blah. So I get there after a couple hours driving, and uh, we're talking, and he's showing me around. He's got a three-story barn, and it is packed. If you ever watched uh, uh, the uh, American Pickers, this is what his barn looked like. Oh, wow. It just had a pathway that you could walk. <laughs> <laughs> it would, they had fenders. He had quarter panels uh, hanging from the walls and the ceilings. Anyway, he had this 1965 maroon Mustang sitting in the barn on the main floor, the first floor. So he said, give me a hand pushing this out. So we push it out and he says to me, you know, anybody wants to buy it. I said, no, not offhand." I looked inside, it didn't have a transmission in it. We opened up the hood. There was no carburetor, no plugs in the, in the engine. The exhaust system was hanging. I said, no, I really don't know. The paint was kind of bad. It had a, uh, the original owner's son had taken it, stripped the car down and put down enamel primer and then put lacquer over the top of it and it was just peeling off. you could literally peel it off with your fingernail So I said it's in rough shape. I said um, I'll, I'll ask around on Long Island So I we'd said our goodbyes and I went on my way and I'm thinking about it now on the way to York, Pennsylvania Then that night uh, at dinner. I was at my cousin's house. I'm thinking about it and and uh, the next day and then the ride home three and a half hour ride home i'm thinking about it and i get home now that's saturday night now sunday monday i'm looking at the pictures that i took tuesday finally on thursday on february 14th i call him up and i said dave i'll take the car how much do you want for it by the way i didn't even know how much he wanted for the car he says 20 grand i said "Well, i said no no dave i said this is family you know, you got to tell me something better. He said, make me an offer. So I said, how about 12 grand? So he goes, uh, how about 15? I said, okay, I'll take it. But I need all the parts to put the car back together. I need the transmission. I need the original motor. I need uh, everything to put the car back and get and it And he room. had it all. He had, he had it. it all, but he just didn't. He had owned a car since 2003, and it was sitting in a barn. Literally a barn find. <laughs> okay? So... He says, okay, so I sent him a check, a personal check for a deposit. And then the next weekend, I got my buddy together, who's got a uh, a crew cab dually pickup. And we we reserved a U-Haul trailer in Pennsylvania. We drove out there, picked up the trailer, put the car on the trailer, had the car loaded with parts, had the bed loaded with parts, and the back of the cab loaded (laughs) with parts. Brought it home. The next weekend, I went back with my personal car and picked up the rest of the stuff, which was the transmission, the port brace, and a bunch of little stuff they got, okay? So that was February, towards the end of February, let's say around the 24th or so. So I started working on the car, and I put, um, I was going to make it exactly like a Shelby GT350. Street car, okay, from '65. So I lowered the A arms in the front. I I welded in adjustable caster and cambers. I uh, redid the suspension over. Uh, the same thing in the rear. I took the it had a 389 uh, Detroit locker. I took that out. I put a 3 350 uh, traction lock in it. I put the springs in it. Then I sent the car out to the body shop. So they stripped the car all down. So now I have this motor that I got to put together. It was just completed back in 2003. It was remanned. It was a short block only of a hypo 289, 40 over. I put a set, it had the hypo cam in it from from comp cams, solid lifter. I put the 351 Windsor heads on it. I put the Edelbrock 4FB on it, uh, or F4B I should say. I put a six manifold. I put a 600 holly double, double pumper. And uh, we dynoed the motor in at about 340 horsepower. Nice. At 6,000 RPM. Now the camshaft's good for 6,800. So I'm sure I could probably get another 10 horsepower out of it. So then we put the, I didn't get the four speed with it. I, I wanted the five speed. So I got a Borg Warner five speed. And uh, the combination of the first gear being 335, and the three hundred fifty rear gear gives me almost eleven to one ratio on first gear, wow. and this car launches like a missile Wow so then I, you know of course I put the the Shelby sway bar in it and the springs and shocks and so forth, and the car handles like it's on rails and uh then it was maroon when I bought it, and when I traced out the VIN number, it's called medium silver blue, well, it's almost the same color as my Shelby, which is Brittany blue. Mm.
0: That's true, um, yeah.
1: They're and, very uh, similar,
0: the colors. Yep. It's,
1: it's a little bit lighter than my Thunderbird. <laughs> so anyway, that's the story. So we, I had to put new rugs in it because the rodents got in it. I had a uh, new wow. headliner. Um, we, we had to take all the glass out. We put all new rubber seals on the glass.
0: What about the chrome? How the the chrome? chrome,
1: the car has, when I bought it, had 50,000 miles on it and the way i know that it's true is that i looked at the pedals and the pedals are worn just slightly not like it's 150,000 mm-hmm. like it's 50,000 so i know that the mileage is correct it's a little over 51,000 now so all the chrome is original all the trim is original the door handles the mirrors uh the exhaust tips that's all came with the car so
0: that that bumper that I'm looking at. I'm looking at the rear bumper now. That didn't, did, did that have to be re No. Or?
1: That's wow. just the way I got it. That's amazing. I just cleaned it up. It was pitted, of course. I just cleaned it up.
0: I love the license plate. Yeah. How did you get that?
1: Well, I, I applied for, uh, for that number through New York State. It's 289 CID. Right, cubic inch displacement. Mm-hmm. And they gave me that number in the new style plate. So then, once I had the plate in my hand, there's a company in Florida called LicensePlates.TV, all one word. They'll make up, they'll reproduce any plate, any state, any year, any country for you. So I talked to the the police here, and I told them what I was going to do, and they said to me, "Well, we're probably not going to stop you because you have an old plate on it." It's a it's a historical car, it's you know, it's a vanity plate, so forth. He says, um, we would stop you though, if we caught you screwing around. And then we'd go and check everything and then find out that you got a, a, a reproduction plate. But as long as the number on the plate matches the registration on your windshield, he said, we're not gonna stop you. So I talked to the state police about it and they said the same thing. They don't have time to stop and check everybody's license plate, you know? And he said it does give a bit of class to the classic car. Mm-hmm. So as you notice, I have the same thing on the Shelby. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's the story. So we we uh,
0: the we, Shelby for those uh, listening is CID four twenty seven. Very interesting. Um,
1: and the wheels? The wheels are fifteen inch Ford style wheels. They were original, uh, they were available in the Mustang, the Fairlane, the full-size Ford Galaxy in 1965 through 68.
0: And you mentioned that you, this was uh, board 40 over?
1: Yeah, the engine. So, your,
0: bu- so your, your cubic inch then is more It's more closer to a, a little bit over, what is it, like a 310 or something? No, no, the,
1: the cubic inch works out to 295. 295,
0: with, the, with 40 over?
1: Okay. 40 over, oh, gotcha. okay. It's only, gotcha. it's 289,
0: uh-huh.
1: and it's 40 over, so it comes out to about 295.
0: 295 okay. So
1: it's still under 300 cubic inches, mm-hmm. and it runs so sweet. I didn't put headers on it, only because my history with headers has not been good. Mm. <laughs> I put the high-performance exhaust manifolds on it, and um, for the street use, they're, they're fine. The car revs up without a problem, breathes healthy, and I have no problem at all. Actually, what I did was, um, in order to get the engine, the transmission into the car, without having to cut the floor for the you went shifter, to five speed. so I went five speed. What I did is I turned the motor mounts around on the engine. So I took the left side, put it on the right side, the right side on the left side, because the pin that goes into the chassis is offset in the mount, In the in the mount, it's not directly in the center so it's set back about three quarters of an inch so by doing that you set the engine back three quarters of an inch mm. okay which is what I needed to get the shifter through the factory uh, hole in the floor
0: three
1: quarters of an inch right so I and didn't is this
0: a trick you picked up somewhere or? yeah
1: I found that out because and not, not because of the seat, but Carol Shelby did that back in the day to move the weight back on the cars What he did is he put the battery in the trunk to add more weight to the back. He moved the engine back, and he put the spare tire inside the car under the rear window. Like you did here. I I noticed
0: that as I was looking at the car. I saw the spare on the inside.
1: Correct, correct.
0: Interesting. Wow.
1: So pretty much the only thing I got left to do, really, is move the battery to the trunk over the winter. Um, And the running gear is 100% Shelby, what he built in 1965. and the thing is, it's just painted like a regular Mustang. Wow. So uh, just it's, remember the license plate number. and Don't come up against me when you're <laughs> on the road. You may get surprised. Let's
0: talk about the Shelby. That's got quite a bit of history.
1: Right. I bought that car when I was in high school. It's a 1967. I bought it in 1970. It came out of El Paso, Texas. Uh, the gentleman that owned the car bought it while he was in service Fort Bliss, and then he came back here to Franklin Square, and he was married, and I guess he was getting in trouble with the police because he put it up for sale. Now, he had, the car was originally Brittany Blue. He didn't like a blue car. He was telling me the story how he bought the car. He would go buy this Ford dealer twice a day because he lived off base, and he saw this, this blue Shelby sitting out in the lot. And one day he got up enough nerve, he stopped in, talked to the dealer, one of the salesmen. And they worked up a deal. And he uh, said, I really don't want a blue car, I want a candy apple red car. So they said, well, it's going to take a couple of weeks to get one. What they did was they actually painted the blue car red. So when I bought it, it was red, okay, or a dark, almost a maroon color. And the, deal, the dealer did this. The dealer did this, okay? And what had happened, because it was three years out in the sun in Texas, in El Paso, all the high spots of the car, the fenders on the hood, the roof, and so forth, the, they didn't prep it very well, and the paint was wearing off, and you could see the primer coming through. So he wanted $2,000 for the car in 1960, 1970, February 14th, 1970. Okay, right. I got him down to 1850 bucks because of the paint, 150 bucks. okay? So I said, okay, I gave him a $100 deposit for the car. I said, I'll be back in a day or so. I'll call you tomorrow, let you know when I'm gonna pick the car up. He said, okay. So as soon as I got home, I was driving a 63 Fairlane Sport Coupe, black 289 automatic with four barrel, and uh. I had a friend who was breaking my chops, he wanted the car so bad, so I called him up. I said, Mike, I said, come over and uh, bring 650 bucks with you. the car is yours. So he, gets, he digs up the money, he comes over the next morning. Uh, I went to the insurance company, I got my insurance card, I took the rest of the money out of my bank account and I had 1850 bucks, okay? I went to this guy's house, now I'm 17 years old, I'm still in high school. And it's February... I guess it's around the 16th now, okay? <laughs> so, I get there. We right out a bill of sale on a car. Wait, what's the date again? It's uh, fe- around February 16th, 1970. Didn't you say that this was on February 14th, the other yes. Mustang? And I put a deposit on that car February 14th. <laughs> okay? And I'll, I'll explain that later on as we're talking, okay? So... I get in the car, everything's fine, started up and everything. We write out the bill of sale. I give him the cash. I said to him, buddy, I said, listen, there's no gas in this car. I got to go from Franklin Square back to Iceland. So he says, uh, "Don't you?" I said, I gave you every last dime I got. I got to go to work tomorrow. So he says, okay, he gives me back $15. So I went up to the corner and I put gas in the car. So now I'm on Franklin, Franklin Avenue Boulevard, whatever it is. I go to get on Southern State Parkway to come home. As I'm getting onto the ramp, I get pulled over. Now, I got switch plates on the car, but I do have it insured, and I do have a bill of sale that I bought the car. Cop pulls me over. He says, so he says, uh, you have a registration? I says, no, I don't. I says, I just bought the car, I switched the plates. I was up front with the cop, I wasn't gonna. So he says, you know, you're in big trouble, son. And this is when, the, the, you know, the cop stood six foot two and he looked down at you, you know? And uh, he was, a, he was a, I guess, a highway cop or whatever. So I said to him, I said, listen, I said, I have an uncle that's, um, that's in the Nassau County Police. I said, do um, yeah, you happen to know Vince Candia? So he says, uh, no, he says, but I'll find out. And he, goes back in the car, and at that time, they didn't have re- telephones. So you had the radio car. So he comes back with my license and my insurance card, and he says, um, you're lucky your, your uncle is very well known. He was a, a lieutenant detective in the Nassau County Police. He says, um, I was told to give you just a warning, and um, drive safely, and don't get pulled over again. So I came from Franklin Square, I stayed in the right-hand lane, I did the speed limit, I let everybody pass me, and I got home safely, put it in the garage. Did he say
0: why he stopped you initially?
1: Yeah, because this car was reported, uh, the guy that owned it had gotten a bunch of tickets. Mm. So they were just checking them, you know? Gotcha. So I got it home, and, it, and that was that. So I have own, owned that car since February 14th of 1970. So you're the second owner? I'm the second owner on the car.
0: And the guy really didn't own it that long.
1: Three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three, yeah years. three years.
0: So they had to take, for it to do the, the correctly, the, the paint, when they painted it from the original color to red, they had to, what, did they take the engine out?
1: No, they took, left the engine in and everything. Right. And um, see, what I think happened with this car was Shelby was building 427 Cobras, street Cobras. And the guy, people that were buying them were not buying... 427 Cobras for the street and paying seven thousand dollars for the car you didn't need 450 or 475 horsepower to drive on the street in a Cobra you know that car was the fastest car on the road anyway so what they were doing they were taking the 428s out of the GT500s putting them in the Cobra which was 355 horsepower And the people that were buying the GT500s wanted the 427 for more horsepower. So that's what I think happened here. This car got the 427 in it. Now, it's the first GT500 in Brittany Blue to be completed. It was the car used for advertisement in the March 1967 motor trend. Uh, They had a picture of a, a red 67 Mustang, and below it was the... Brittany blue shelby gt500 that's this car and carol shelby leaning on it
0: did you own it at that time
1: no no this was before it was even sent over to el paso oh wow this is why it was still in the factory okay they they did all that and we traced it back there was only one other gt500 that was completed before march 1st and that was completed around the middle of february And back in those days, you didn't have the computers or whatever. You had to have all your paperwork in like 45 days ahead of time. So you you had to have all your paperwork in by the middle of January for the March issue. So there was only one other car that was done, and that was my car.
0: How did you make that connection, that this was, you know, that that, that history
1: there? I have that magazine, and I just went back into the Shelby Registry, and I checked all the... Completion dates on these cars.
0: What prompted you to do that? To do that. Because the VIN number
1: on my car shows that it's number 328 built out oh. of 3250. Wow. <laughs> okay, so it was built in the first 10%. Now they didn't start making GT500s until number 100. So there was 99 GT350s built before any of the GT500s were built, and mine was GT. Uh, mine was uh, 328.
0: Hmm.
1: That's interesting. So then, as as the days went on, um, I hot rodded the car up because it was just worth the regular Mustang back in the day in the seventies. It was just the regular Mustang. With a four twenty seven.
0: With a four twenty seven.
1: Or is it a four twenty eight? No, four twenty seven. Four twenty seven. Okay, and I used to drag race the car, and then I tried out at uh, Bridgehampton, and I went to Lime Rock with the car. I even took it out to Pocono where I was clocked at 147 miles an hour on a straightaway with the car. And uh, that's a scary feeling, let me tell you. Did you ever do the, um, did you ever clock on the quarter mile? Yeah, she was doing 1220s at 111 miles an hour with mm. street tires, without slicks, okay? And closed exhaust. Mm. So it was a pretty, pretty stout car. Yeah. And uh, then as the cars were starting to become more, which was the end of 70s into the early 80s, I started taking all the hot rod stuff out of the car and I, I kept everything, I kept the bell housing, I kept the exhaust manifold, everything I kept. So I was able to put all that stuff back in without a large expense. And then we rebuilt the engine, refreshing the engine up and um, that's pretty much what it is today. So uh, the
0: engine is, is stock?
1: pretty much stock the yeah, way we, it
0: was when you got it
1: yeah yeah. how many miles uh, the car has about 80,000 on it which isn't bad for, wow. for over 50, 50 years um,
0: you could literally eat off the bottom I mean, oh yeah the car is up on a lift and uh, wow now I see that you had this garage built to accommodate your cars am I right
1: that's correct. Yes. <laughs> this front half of this garage is over a hundred years old. And when I moved in here, the first thing I did was I extended I it back.
0: Line. I see the line. Yeah, yeah, I extended
1: it back another 22 feet. So it's actually an 800 square foot garage. Wow.
0: It's perfect. I love the lift. I mean, it's, it's perfect.
1: When we did our kitchen over, I took the cabinets out of the kitchen and mounted them on the wall. <laughs> I got the old refrigerator from the house. I put that out here. I have a microwave. I got a TV set. I got a surround sound. I uh, had all the toys. So where have
0: you taken these cars as far as shows?
1: All right, well, the the Mustang, I really haven't gone too far. You know, it's only been on the road about a year and a half now. So, and uh, But the Shelby, because of its uh the first gt500 britney blue because of it having the 427 it being part of the advertisement program that they had um i was at a show in manhasset and it was called the concourse the elegance and a guy from shelby i didn't know he was from shelby at the time he had a shelby shirt on but it was a regular t-shirt you know he uh, came up to me and asked to take some pictures and i said sure after he took about 25, 30 pictures, he asked me to tell him a story on the car. So I told him the same thing I'm telling you. And he says, All right, said, I'm going to send all his pictures and information to Gary Patterson, who happens to be the president of Shelby American in Las Vegas. He says, uh, Would you be interested in putting the car in a museum out there? Now, <laughs> I did my Ralph Crandom impersonation. and <laughs> Abbott, Abbott, Abbot, Abbott, Abbott. <laughs> I thought the guy was pulling my leg. So this was in, I guess, in the end middle of October. What year? Uh, 2018. So he says to me, "He probably won't get back to you right away because they have SEMA coming up. They have uh, Barrett Jackson. Then they're going to China. They're going to set up a dealership in China. And then, you, of course, you got Thanksgiving and Christmas. So it probably." Won't be until after Thanksgiving. So I said, Yeah, all right, the guy's pulling my leg, you know? Sure enough, December 10th, I'm out here in the garage just fiddling around. I phone, my cell phone goes off on a Sunday, and it's Gary Patterson, the president of, of Shelby American in Las Vegas. On a Sunday? On a Sunday on his cell phone. Okay, so I have his cell phone number. So we got to talking about the car and so forth and he says all right he says let me call you back tomorrow he says let me see if we got room for the car and uh he says i'll, I'll let you know so i said all right so now i don't know what if this guy's true or, or what the story is you know this is a once in a lifetime deal you know who so has... they would
0: have purchased the car from you
1: no they didn't want. they were going to pay for transportation both ways and it was on loan to them nice. okay wow so the next day monday he calls me up And he says, all right, Rick. He says, I talked to to our uh, curator here. His name is Austin Craig. Uh, Now, I'm saying to myself, Austin Craig? I said, that's not a common name. And I used to know it, Austin Craig, from Long Island here, when we first started SAC, which is the Shelby American Automobile Club. So, sure enough, Austin Craig calls me back about it. 20 minutes later, he goes, this is just the way he sounds. Hey, this is Austin Craig. He says, is this Rick? <laughs> and I said, yeah. So we got to talking, and I said, Austin, are you from Long Island? He goes, yeah. I said, don't you remember me? We were talking back and forth. Back. So finally he he, you know, he, he remembered me and, and all the things that we did here on the island. So now I had it in. Okay, so now Austin Craig is my best buddy. So he gave me the name of the trucker that they use. And... Uh, I was in the midst at the time of regasketing the top of the motor. It was wintertime. I got heat in the garage. I was working out here putting all new gaskets on the valve covers and intake manifolds and so forth. So he says, okay. He says, "Uh, we won't be ready for the car for probably a couple of weeks. I said, okay. So I called the trucker up. And the trucker says, uh, he says, "Uh, I'm down in Florida. And I, uh, I he says, I'll try to arrange it get the car to you to go out to Vegas so he uh, calls me up he says well, how about February tw- uh, 18th let me pick up the car it's
0: a lucky month for you
1: yeah <laughs> so he picks up the car here it's seven o'clock at night on a Saturday night we roll a car out into the into the street we put it in his trailer and it's off to Vegas so now it was supposed to be there the following Monday so I got my plane ticket for to land in Vegas on Sunday because they were supposed to be there at 9 o'clock in the morning on Monday. So I'm waiting, 9 o'clock, I'm there, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, there's no truck. Where's the car? Oh, man. Now everybody's telling me, did you put LoJack in a car? Because they might have taken it and sold it and all this other stuff. And I'm saying, no, this can't be right. I mean, this guy is he's given to me, he was recommended by Shelby himself. So I get a hold of the trucker and they find out that he blew a, uh, an axle bearing on his trailer and he was about 100 miles away. He'll be back tomorrow morning, he'll be here, which was Tuesday. So sure enough, I get there 10 to nine and they're there unloading the car and it got into, into the museum at that time, into the assembly area. Now for you folks that don't know where Shelby is, it's in Las Vegas, it's right outside McCarran Airport and it's a 198,000 square foot facility. 160,000 square feet is their assembly area. They have a store there, they have a museum there, and you could actually spend all day in their facility and, and spend a lot of money <laughs> buying stuff. But they got, they got a lot of car. They got Carroll Shelby's first Cobra there. They got Don Perdone's race car that Shelby built for Don Perdone. Back in 2015, uh, and they have a lot of uh, they have a replica of Bill Cosby's uh, 200 mile an hour cobra, which was a 427 cobra with twin packs and char- uh, superchargers. That replica is there. Mm. so they have a lot of interesting cars there and um, it's well worth it's free to go in and uh, it's nice. really a nice facility very nice So wow. now the car is parked. <laughs> in the museum, and now the museum, uh, I should say, the movie Ford versus Ferrari comes out. So right after SEMA, was Barrett Jackson, and right after Barrett Jackson, they, the movie came out. But Shelby got preference on the movie, they got the preview it before it was put out to the public. So they got all the big wheels from Ford that were out already in Vegas. And they took all the new Shelbys out of the museum, and they had just the older ones in there. They had the Cobras, the, uh, the GT350s, and so forth, and my car. And they had gotten Ken Miles' actual race car, the 1966 GT40 that won Sebring, Daytona, and Le Mans. Wow. So they happened to have, and I think this was doing by Boston <laughs> Craig, he put my car parked right next to 10 miles gt40 and he sent me pictures of it and it was just uh he was telling me even the big wheels they would go over to the gt40 and they'd look at it and then they go over to my shelby and said this is a fabulous color and these lights and so he said it was a big hit so uh and they also they were they were uh previewing the 2020 GT500. They had them covered and they were on the other side of the GT40. So it was my car, the GT40, and the brand new 2020 (laughs) GT500.
0: How long was it there at the museum?
1: It was there for 14 months.
0: Wow.
1: Okay, and that's another story. (laughs) I went out there on March of, March 17th of 2020 2020, and uh, I was going to bring the car back and I landed on March 17th. March 18th, they closed Vegas down. So I couldn't get my car. Shelby was locked tight. They couldn't get in. I had to call them up. They came and opened the door for me. Uh, We go to get the car started. The battery's dead, of course, because the clock still works in the car. So it ran the battery down. So uh, we're trying to get this car started and it didn't start, so we put a battery charger on it. So this is, this is Wednesday now. So I said, all right, let me go back to my hotel. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. So I go back to the hotel, and the hotel's locked up. I can't get into the hotel to get my clothes. So finally, I found a way of getting in. I got my stuff out of the room, and now I had to find a place to stay. Where am I going to sleep? So they, they allowed motels to stay open, Motel 6, because when you came out of your room, you were on a balcony in open air, you weren't in a closed area. So I was able to get that room, okay? So then we go back Thursday, and I'm having lunch with the, the powers-to-be from Shelby, from Gary Patterson, uh, Vince Laval, I can't say his last name, he's the vice president. Austin Craig, uh, his head mechanic, uh, like six of us there. And we're sitting in the conference room having lunch for two and a half hours. Now here I am, just the guy that owns a Shelby, rubbing elbows with these high, high pollutant guys. So we finally get the car started after lunch. So then now I have to make arrangements to get the car out of Shelby so they can pick it up with the truck. The trucker's supposed to be there Monday morning to pick it up, but Shelby's not going to be open. Mm. So I got a hold of the office for the trucker, and he said uh, he's got a depot in Vegas. And um, I moved the car over to the depot at, with, with reservations. But once I got there, I saw there was Bentleys there, there was Ferraris there. And I said, well, they're going to take one of those cars. They're not taking a Shelby. You know, if somebody to break in. So I get back to my hotel room Friday night, I call up the airlines, make sure my flight is still good. They say, yeah. I go to McCarran Airport. I'm there at five o'clock in the morning and I go to get my ticket. And they say, well, that flight's been canceled to MacArthur Airport. I mean, what else could go wrong, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So it took us two hours to get get a flight situation where I could get back to Long Island. So I had to fly from Vegas to Houston to Dallas to LaGuardia then I had to get a ride home from LaGuardia so I had to get my daughter to pick me up so now that's Saturday I get a call Monday uh Sunday afternoon the guys get sending me a video of him loading the car on a trailer at the depot okay so I see the car being put on the trailer it makes me you know I'm a little happy now mm-hmm. he said he'll be here and I slip on Thursday he said, All right. He calls me up Thursday afternoon. Listen, I'm stuck in a snowstorm. This is March now. I'm stuck in a snowstorm in Pennsylvania. He says, I'm not going to make it there. I said, No, listen, stay where you are. Come back tomorrow. I said, There's no big deal. I said, You're probably five or six hours away. He said, All right, I'll be there around noontime. Well, 10 minutes to 12, he pulls up in front of the house, and sure enough, he unloaded the car just the way I left it in Vegas. So, uh, that's my story.
0: Wow. What a story it is. That's awesome. That's... It, it really is. Um, you know, one of the, the common themes for those of you that have been listening to these podcasts are these interesting, one-of-a-kind stories. All of them. Yeah. You know? Um, well, I appreciate your time. Um, I wish we could talk about the T-Bird, but we're running out of time, and I'm sure... I would like to have a, a part two and um it's been a pleasure and this is a, like i said this is a new format for me uh, i like it because usually i do it over the phone but now that you know we're getting some of these restrictions lifted and people feel more comfortable i would like to come on site into these
1: uh well if you know, you're plan on episodes. i'll make a deal with you if you plan on doing this again I'll take you for a ride in each one of the car, oh. and you could do your podcast from the car.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's, per- that's perfect.
1: Perfect. Okay. You got a deal. All
0: okay. right.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much. Guys,
0: thanks for visiting the RPM show, and um, looking forward to another great episode with, uh, with some other great people in this car enthusiast community. And I'm, uh, I'm just having a ball doing this. I really am and, um, meeting people like Rick and, um, and I'm sure we're going to, you know, stay in contact and friends for a long time. That's the other big thing with this is that I'm meeting a lot of, um, interesting people and these relationships I know are just going to last for a long time. So I'm definitely, um, um, pursuing and living in my bliss right now. So until next time, the RPM show, this is Tony Rodriguez. Visit rpmli.live. Soon, we are going to have other locations, uh, as in RPM Tampa Bay um, and RPM USA is in the works, which is the parent company or parent website that's going to be uh, the umbrella where all these other locations are going to live under. So thanks again for stopping by, and until the next time, this is your host, Tony Rodriguez. Be well. Bye-bye.